are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Lunch Break Podcast. My name is James Bodden, and you are tuned into episode 20 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where sales pros go to tell their stories. And I'm really excited about my guest today. He's got a great story. He's doing lots of exciting things. Micah Zayner is joining me today. And Micah is a guerrilla sales and marketing expert that has excelled within diverse sales orgs, creating revenue shifts and growth throughout the organizations. Currently, he's listed as a decision developer for LaunchDarkly, and they just raised a $44 million Series C. He has talents in any method of contact, but, but really, Micah sees his success in emails, social selling, and event networking. And for all of those reasons, I'm super excited to have Micah on the show. Thanks for joining me, man. That was a nice introduction. Um, yeah, a pleasure. I'm excited. I've listened to a few of your podcasts already. Uh, I started seeing you pop up on LinkedIn with Thoughts from the Front Lines, which was really cool. And so, um, yeah, looking forward to our conversation. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, the, the <clears throat> Thoughts from the Front Lines were kind of when I first got started. So happy to, to have had you along the journey and even happier to, to have you here speaking with us because I think you have uh, some really good points that we're going to talk about, but I'll start the podcast off the same way that I start every podcast. Micah, tell us how you got into sales. Um, most children, you know, you end up selling candy to go to summer camp or whatever. So that was kind of a, the initial thing. Also, I grew up in a pretty uh, dynamic church where evangelism was a big thing. So going up to people and telling them that they're going to hell was... <laughs> pretty easy you know like I mean yeah. it, it wasn't that bad but right like being able to just go out and say hey do you need Jesus in your life uh, kind of broke the uh the mold for um social insecurity <laughs> yeah, but yeah in reality I my first job uh in high school I was a cold caller for the New York Times mm. and uh so it was weird because I, I lived in Chicago at the time and we were on the, the top floor of the tallest building in the suburb of Chicago that I lived in. And I was horrible at it. And there was this one kid that was so good. And I didn't know why. And, and I was so jealous. And it took a long time of being in the service industry, being in retail, um, managing my own sales teams before I realized what that 16-year-old that kid had that made him good at what he did. And it, it was confidence. It was inner confidence and, and mm. pure belief in yourself that you're doing the right thing. And so, yeah, I uh, moved out to California to help my brother with his startup. We lifted it from 6K a month to around 35K a month in revenue. And I asked him for some equity and he wasn't really excited about that. So he's <laughs> like, just go, 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 go start your own startup, go get your own, like go start a job somewhere. And so, uh, we worked on that, and I finally ended up at Lunch Darkly. Very fortunately, last year when there were only 50 people, now we're at about 90. Mm. And I was one of the first BDRs of like the BDR team that was getting hired. So and here I am. It's you know always interesting how how anybody ends up in sales. But what I think is so interesting 
it's that that 16 year old that probably knew just as little as as any 16 year old would know when it comes to selling or cold calling or whatever it is but it really what his success was tied to was that confidence i think that it's a very interesting observation because it uh, i've i had the same experience so like one of the first salespeople that i ever worked with just was a complete enigma to me like why is this person so successful why why are they consistently able to overcome these objections or you know whatever it was and and you're right it comes down to confidence so i think that that's a very interesting observation man and and so now you are are at launch darkly as a bdr but you know i think one of the 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 topics that we kind of wanted to cover today is is um i love that you describe you know that your your bio is really focusing on the messaging on social social selling selling via email you know network uh marketing and event selling because we all love to talk about cold calling and it's important and i've talked about it had entire episodes of this podcast about cold calling but these other parts of these other channels are incredibly powerful and really you as a salesperson in 2019 and and beyond you have to be in tune with these other channels so you know you started out as a cold caller for for you know the new york times in in high school what was the how how have you kind of come to a realize that you needed to start working these different channels and then how did you get good at it yeah um so cold calling the number one um thing that you can do to uh, increase your success on the phone is building trust right and so how do you build trust in a digital world and that's um simple things like having a photo in your gmail account right it shouldn't just be your initial it should be a photo a good photo of you that makes you look trustworthy um, and so as more and more of these new digital tools come out, LinkedIn is becoming a beast for, for sales. It, they have this new thing in sales navigator called the point drive. I don't know if you know about it, but it's, oh, yeah. it's so awesome. It tracks metrics. It tells you how long they sat on the page for, it tells you what they've clicked on, how many times they've clicked on it. It's essentially an outbounding tool in itself. Um, and then, um, with the software, now that the world you know you don't just get a piece of software like you used to in the past i don't know if you were around for sales genie this was pre-sales force it yeah. just gave you leads right it just gave you leads and you called them and you said what's up i used to work for a uh, commercial equipment leasing company in 2008 right after the crash and so i was slanging high interest loans to very desperate people it was a horrible experience I only did it for three months after I closed my first deal for like a hundred K I got a fat check. And then two days later I started getting phone calls from this guy on my cell phone. You oh, my life. No. I can't get this thing started, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, and I went into my office and my manager and I said, yo, what's wrong? Well, why, why is this happening? And he said, you know, Mike, I, I, I can't really tell you the next day that guy left. And then, oh, no. and then I went online and I started like Googling things and I found out that B2B 
sales, there's really no protection for the, the business consumer. Hmm. There's like very little. If they sign the contract on the dotted line, they sign the contract on the dotted line and, and there's nothing protecting them from that. Mm-hmm. If it's B2C now, there's a whole different thing for like predatory things and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after finding all that out, I was like, yo, I got to get out of here. So I went and had a talk with the CEO and he's like, you know what, Micah, why don't you go back to school and become a teacher? <laughs> and so I did go back to school. Wow. After that. <laughs> Uh, but it was just a funny experience that I got introduced to like the bad side of sales, right? Like the predatory mm-hmm. side, the really bad side, like yeah, the worst. Yeah. It's like, uh, the, when the, um, no offense to the mortgage industry or the lending industry, I know a lot of people were unaware of it happening, but in the 2006, 2007 years leading up to the 2008 crash, a lot of them were calling on old people, um, people who didn't speak English well and getting them to sign up for these crazy loans that they had no idea that they, they were signing up for. But yeah, so in regards to tooling, like I realized like you can call all you want. You can be the most gangster verbal language person on the phone. The, there's just this degree of efficiency that's missing, right? Because you're putting in all this effort. It's taking you so many hours to call so many people, the bad leads, all the things you have to go through. Yeah. When if you can get the email game down and the social media game down and the tools game down, you're efficient. Like you're basically half of your life is automated. Like this morning, I had a guy send me a meeting request from an email (laughs) wanting to know more about our product. Right. Like I'm not having anybody call me asking me if they can they can buy my product. It's true. Actually, I have had two people call me from emails, (laughs) but from emails. Right. Yeah. And they call they, they the the phone numbers at the bottom and honestly in my in my tool it said that there were no opens on any of the emails which just meant like their server wasn't letting the the tracker pass through yeah but she called me like four days after and was like hey I'm really sorry I I didn't uh, you know respond but we're really interested in the product and that's turning into a 60k deal like real. Yeah, real so results. It's really interesting. Um, when I started at LaunchDarkly, they sat us down. They gave us the tools. They said, "Here's Apollo. Um, here's Sales Navigator." Both of which I had no experience with. And they said, "Get going. When you're on ramp, so don't worry about stuff. Like, just try to try to build leads." And for like the first two months, I wasn't the best BDR. Like, I didn't have a whole lot of meetings. Didn't have a whole lot of opportunities created. But I was building out these systems and I was sharing them with my teammates. And now we're like dominating every, every new quarter we come along. Um, I built out the, in Apollo, they have this cockpit scenario where it tells you all of your opens in the last 12 hours. It tells you all the emails that are going out today. It tells you any tasks that you have. And it also has a little uh, area where you can have uh, net new leads that you can throw into the top of the funnel. Mm. And so um, I built that out for the team. And I was like, look, you guys need to do this. Stay focused. Like, this is how you can keep on on your stuff. And then um, I started doing filtering. So I, I went to Salesforce and I took all of our opportunities and I made a report for which positions had the most opportunities uh, in, in like pertaining to them. And so we printed out that report. We put it in a uh, numerical order of, of most to least. And then we built out a filter based on those titles in Apollo to say, okay, this is how we're going to search for our net new leads. Instead of scrolling yeah. through every 
company and looking for a software engineer, now that's like, boom, you, you've got a guarantee, like a 98% guarantee that the lead that pops up in your net new leads list is going to be somebody that you want to talk to. Um, and then also learning like exclusionary words, like, I don't know if that's a word, exclusionary, exclusive. Makes sense. I know what you mean. So it is a word. Yeah. Let's roll with it. Yeah, it's a sales word. <laughs> yeah, it's a sales word. We have a bunch of those. Uh, <laughs> so um, just like the, in engineering, there's a, a lot of engineers that have nothing to do with software. Exactly. Chemical yep. engineers, environmental engineers, and mechanical, uh, just so much, right? Civil, and, and those end up falling into your leads list. So learning how to exclude those is going to greatly increase the efficiency. Um, Ryan Reiser had a podcast recently with David Delvaney, and they were talking about how searching and qualifying leads just to contact them takes up so much time. <laughs> and I know the sales developers offer a service now where they'll like clean your and wash your leads for you. Yeah. But it takes so much time. The more you can create systems around removing the bad leads, the guaranteed bad leads, the more your, your team is going to just excel and have opportunities that, that they wouldn't normally have at the rate that they have them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been a fun ride. Um, I ended up giving a social selling course to uh, the sales org two months after starting. So they were really interested in all, I, I kept pushing it, kept pushing it. Still, I only have like three or four members of a 25 member sales org that are kind of like following Actively. along in my footsteps. Yeah. Um, but it's, I went from zero to four. Right. So <laughs> I can only be happy about that. And soon it'll be eight and then 12. And then hopefully the entire org will be involved. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a, a fun ride. Um, I can't say that the success of the company has anything to do with me. No deals have closed since we've been hired. Our sales cycles are six to nine months. So I feel um, you I've there. been with the company for seven. Um, but there's a lot of deals in the pipeline that are beyond evaluation stage that are, are, are from very significant companies that um, it's exciting stuff. So yeah, yeah, mastering the tooling though is just, it gets me excited. Yeah, well, I think you mentioned Ryan and, and the sales developers and I love what they preach about clean data really being the key to empowering your BDRs or SDRs to spend more time on, you know, the phones or outreach. But the reality is most companies are not at a, at a point where they're either actively cleaning the data that's coming in. They've got somebody helping the BDRs uh, make sure that the leads are relevant. I mean, for somebody like you, for somebody like me and in a startup sales org, and other sales organizations that I've been a part of that have been around for a while, they don't, most of them don't have that set up for you. So you have to recognize first that that's an important thing that, you know, I'm spending so much of my time kind of muddling through bad leads and wrong numbers and the wrong title and wrong function and all of that stuff. So you have to realize that first and recognize that it's a time suck. And then to your point, start mastering the tools that you have at your disposal to, you know, that maybe management has given you for outreach in, in their mind, they're thinking this is a tool for them to scale their outreach, but for the BDR, it needs to be about 
working smarter and refine, you know, being more precise about how you're approaching your lead list building and, and helping yourself essentially get to a place where you're not spending as much time messing around with, you know, crappy leads and bad data. Uh, so I think for, for a lot of salespeople, because, you know, there's so many sales tools out there and you, you, we could probably spend an hour and a half just talking about the different sales tools that are out there. And I think what happens a lot of times is when a sales rep, especially a BDR, because a lot of the times a BDR may be brand new to sales or it's an, you know, considered like an entry level role. They're put into the chair. They're given these two or three tools and go figure it out, figure out how to swim. Right. Yeah. And that's been happening to salespeople forever. Back when you had to go out on the road, right. And, and go door to door. It was the same thing. But now with these tools, it takes effort to learn it because there's, oh, for sure. so there's, I've, <laughs> there, there's two versions of, of a salesperson. There's a salesperson who is using the tools at the bare minimum level, like mm -hmm. just to get by and just to Which not get lot. yelled at. Yeah. Right. Like I just need to make sure my lead status is right. And my life cycle stage status is right. So my bosses don't get mad at me, you know, for things not being up to date in the CRM. And then there's the rep who understands this is a tool for me to scale, work smarter, you know, all of those things. So with, you know, the, evangelizing that you're doing for for kind of mastering these tools it's interesting to me that you've got a group of salespeople that are 20 plus and you've got you went from zero to four in just a couple of months do you think that you'll start seeing more people kind of hop on the train once these deals start closing like once they start seeing like uh this is real right micah his approach not only has built some pipeline, but now this is actual revenue for the company. Mm -hmm. We better start doing that. Cause I feel like that's what happens a lot. I feel like people are wary to, to change their methods until they see that's that it actually late. works. <laughs> it's too late. I one of the greatest pieces of advice I ever received was from this um, guy. He, created the, the iPad Facebook app before Facebook did. It was called the MyPad app. <laughs> and um, he created also, he uh, has this other um, application that um, it lets you use your fingerprint for every application on your phone to get access to it. So that mm -hmm. way, if somebody like picks up your phone while it's unlocked, they can't get into any of your apps. Yeah. Um, but uh, he told me one day, he said, Micah, if it's ready to ship and you haven't shipped it already, it's way too late. Mm. You gotta, you gotta start doing it before you think it's right. You gotta send out emails before you think they're perfect. Like, perfect anything is the wrong thing when you're, when you're in a productivity environment, right? Like, you can't wait till it's perfect to start seeing if there's production. You have to start producing while, and then with the small little incremental iterations, you're finding out the truth. Um, versus trying to sit there and scientifically analyze and guess the truth, these little iterations let you evolve organically like an organism, and you're you're essentially following the the heartbeat of what what your 
community is, is looking for. And so by sitting there, like I, I had, a, we have a new um, BDR on the team. He's actually inbound. He's doing a lot of stuff and we have an amazing inbound pipeline. And he's like, Hey, so what do you think of this, this uh, sequence that I'm building? And he was like showing it to me. And I was like, how many, leads come in a week for for that sequence and he's like oh like one a day and I was like dude you shouldn't even be asking me about this like one a day so you out of if open rates are 20% reply rates are like 3% and the interested rates are like 0.03% or 0.3% or whatever and you get one a day that means you have to wait until a thousand to get three people to respond to you so that's a thousand days away. Like, no, spend time on something else, man. You've got this whole like box of leads from all of the past events we did. You should go after those. And so he started like going after those. And I think, like I, I had mentioned pre-call, our pre-call conversation that uh, we had like four leads come in from this recent event we did. And right away, he just boom, 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 boom. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's really important for people to realize that especially during ramp, if you're an SDR, BDR, and you're getting hired and you have ramp, don't focus on getting opportunities as much Just focus on building your system, building your, your routine. Like what do you do every day when you come in? If you know any great baseball players, tennis players, golfers, every golfer has a pre-shot routine that they do to get their mind right before they have to execute that perfect rhythm, right? So if, if you can every day start, you come in, you do the same thing, right? You, you check X, Y, Z, you go down, you get your coffee, you get your water, you make sure you eat right, like, right? You, you, you're prepared every day to do the right thing and then execute the system. And sure, there's gonna be bad days, um, but now that I've, I've gotten off ramp and I've gotten out of my first quarter, like every week, just from straight emails and social selling, I'm booking three high quality qualified meetings and at least like one or two of those are becoming opportunities. Yeah. Every week. So I don't know what other people's quotas are, but in an enterprise um, situation, it, it, it's, it's reasonable. It's, it's a very good life to live and, and you get paid pretty well doing it. Um, and it's all based on just focus on your tools. And I'm starting to cold call, which I'm excited about because we haven't really done it as a company. Yeah. Uh, the necessity for knowledge in our very technical product is, is tough. So like calling somebody and be like, yo, buy my awesome mm -hmm. software. Uh, people aren't really going to buy into that too quick. But now based on my opens and things like that, warm, warm uh, emails that I'm starting to call on these people and leaving voicemails, had a few conversations. Um, but I really think with the success that I'm having with emails and social, I think my, my cold, uh, well, warm calling essentially will be phenomenal. Yeah. Well, it, one feeds the other because, yeah. you know, the more emails that you send and the more activity that you have on, on the social side of things, the more you're able to just kind of learn in a little bit of a safer way. Because on the phone, you're right. Like when you're selling something technical and you're calling somebody that's, you know, just a very technical minded person, that's a tough thing to do, especially when you're starting out. Um, you know, one of the things that you, as I'm thinking about this process, it, it really is just such a balancing act because, you know, when you're given these tools, you have to take the time and decide that you're going to really kind of dive in and learn the tool 
but then you have to make sure that you're not spending all of your time in the weeds, you know, just like learning every switch and knob you're, you're learning enough so that you, you can then develop a system and then go execute against it. And it's being in, in a very similar position as you, you know, it's at, at a startup, a new sales organization, kind of figuring these things out, building processes. I've, I've come to think of it as like a, a trifecta of like learning, preparation and execution. And you, it kind of all has to be happening at the same time, because to your point, waiting for something to be perfect just you're you're already late to the party you aren't going to get paid <laughs> yeah no and time flies i mean look it's yeah. already the almost the end of you know q1 man i mean it's like wow this is yeah. uh this is a fast moving thing and and you we we operate in such a noisy environment as salespeople, like no matter what industry you're in now, right? If you're out there and you're tasked with living at the front of the sales cycle and generating interest from people who have no idea who you are, that, that it, it's a tough thing and you've got to be on it. You, mm -hmm. the, the, the got to get ahead of it too. Exactly. Like, I think what people don't realize the most out of, out of sales development is like today is awesome, but you know what? I'm planting seeds for like three months from now. Mm -hmm. Like I'm planning on being in my job three months from now. So why not plant seeds for three months from now so yep. that I can harvest those later on. Right. And that's what social selling gives you. I think mainly is these, these, this fertile soil for you to plant seeds in and just let people know that you're a person, you're mm -hmm. trustworthy, you can share uh, relevant content that's new and fresh. And I love the whole video thing. I've been trying to do it. Um, I've, I've been watching you. Uh, I see Ryan doing some things too. Uh, um, I shared some videos from London on, on, my, on my feed. I, I want to get into just uh, sharing a little tidbit of me speaking. When people see your face and see you speaking on LinkedIn, it immediately says this person's trustworthy, right? Like, or it doesn't say that, but like it immediately gives them an inclination that you, you are trustworthy. Yeah. I mean, it humanizes you. It, 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 yeah. like, I love your point about having a picture on your Gmail or your email account. What a, what a small detail, but what a big difference that can make. Or one of the craziest things to me is that somebody, you know, a salesperson would set up a zoom call or like a, a Google Hangout with a, with a prospect and not turn their camera on. Yeah, it's weird. Some of my sales reps do that. I think it, it's, some people are like that, yeah. I mean, and I get it, right? I mean, you don't, it's the same as a phone call. So, you know, you don't have to, but given the opportunity, it just, I mean, so. It's another, it's another opportunity to add value. Yeah, and, and just become a little bit more human, right? Like it's not, yeah. You're just not this salesperson that's, uh, you know, trying to bother them. And uh, so I think an interesting thing that you mentioned about social selling is like not only does it allow you to plant seeds, but it helps build that trust because, so for example, like the content that I put on LinkedIn has nothing to do with my job. Like mm -hmm. I don't, I rarely, like I have never made a video saying like, I'm James, I'm a BDR at Cognetic and this is what we do. Um, yeah. and, and that's just a personal choice. But what's so interesting is that, you know, I connect with a prospect, we have a meeting, we connect on LinkedIn. And then, you know, I've had a few of them 
comment like, hey, I think it, you know, your your activity on LinkedIn is so interesting, blah, 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 blah. And it just now we're having a conversation, not even about what our discovery meeting was about or whatever. We're just having a conversation as two people. And yeah. then the next time that I talk to that person, completely different rapport, completely different level of like their guards down. They're like yeah. telling me like, Hey, I'm stressed. My boss really needs me to get this problem solved. You know, like yeah, things yeah. that you just wouldn't hear. And it's because you're a human and you've built you're that trust and they can see that you care about your job. Even if it's just documenting like your life as a, as a BDR, you know, yeah. and, and, and what you're up to inevitably they're going to find out about, you know, ooh, where does he work? Oh, they do this. Oh, this is cool. You know, and then it just it's becomes marketing. Yep, yeah. Yep. It's building awareness. It's, it's all of that. Um, and so if you are, you know, I think about a BDR who is new in their role, they've been given these tools, they've got a basic process outlined. Most places don't have a process outlined for social selling. Yeah. Or at least a good one, in my opinion. So what would be some, you know, advice based on your success and experience for somebody that that is trying to figure out like how to like how do you even start social selling? Is it is it um you know immediately kind of finding those prospects and sending them the same exact messaging that you're sending in an email or is it different or you know how how are you approaching it that that's allowing you to see some success i think the first step that i i tell my peers here at launch darkly is first it's not you right it is an avatar online so stop yeah. fearing that people will figure out who you are or know that you're that people have the imposter syndrome right like oh yeah. i'm not important enough to post stuff on linkedin no every post is important enough to show up in somebody's newsfeed based on an algorithm and depending on how many people interact with it the importance increases it has nothing to do with your education your background <laughs> you know it just has to do with the value of the post yeah and so that's the one thing i, I tell people is like look just start Again, if it's not perfect, send it, ship it. Like run it. with it. Yep. Yeah, just start doing it. Get get over the. And I mean, same thing with cold calling, right? Like, it, if you don't have the script memorized, you got to start cold calling, right? You just got to get into it. Uh, but uh, in regards to social selling, I I use the email opens as a very uh, key indicator of attention, right? So they've seen my name a few times, they've seen my company a few times. And after a few times, I'll just go to LinkedIn and send them a connection request saying like, yo, what's up? And I get a pretty good response rate on that in regards to people connecting with me. And now I have an in, like a, a main inline to their, their existence where they see when I like posts, they see when I interact with their company, they see when I interact with others that they're uh, employed with, their coworkers. Yeah. And so if I can connect with a few people from the same company and start interacting with them all, and they end up being on the same team, you've essentially created like this powerful movement that uh, of information, right? Because they're sharing it, you're sharing it with them. So that's really my goal is to find teams. And so I tried to uh, initially use the open rates as a, a way in. And then uh, once I get in, I start looking at 
what city they're in, uh, who else is in that city working in the same kind of field or, or their, if their summary description describes the same product that they're working on. Yeah. Um, Smart. And then I'll start interacting with them with value though. Right. Cause I'm not, my goal is never to take anything from anybody. My goal is to give. I have time on my schedule. If you want it, if you ever want to learn more about our product, right. It's not, do you have time on your schedule to hear about this, right? Like mm. that's the kind of approach I take. And so I had a, an email that I got a response to a few days ago. I sent January 25th and I, he finally messaged me. He's like, I'd love to know more set up. Let's set up a meeting. And it boom, boom, boom. 10 minutes later, I had a meeting book and it came out of heaven, right? Yeah. Right? Like I, it came out from those seeds that I was telling you about that you plant in the ground and you forget about and nature waters them. Yeah. They, they maybe saw some marketing material. Maybe they saw some uh, account based marketing from your company that came up on their LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally they like look through their messages and they're like, Oh, I have this message from this guy. Oh, Oh yeah. This seems relevant. Let's check it out. Like, you know, that's a it, gift. <laughs> you know I mean? That's gift, so right? great. And, those are, that's the best feeling in the world. The, I mean, sure, like closing somebody on the phone after a hard call is pretty exciting. And you, but you don't have that feeling of, of um, exhaustion afterwards, right? You get yeah. this, you get a guy to come through and say, yeah, let's set up a meeting. It, it, you woke up in the morning, right? Like, it, yeah, that's, that's where the excitement that I get out of investing all of this time into social selling and, and, um, in mailing and, and things like that, liking and commenting on posts. Um, and it's not like bot liking and commenting. You can't just put congrats, Ugh. exclamation point. Like you got to put in some investment. Um, I think uh, Gary Vaynerchuk always is talking about that. Like, what was it? It's, if you give somebody your two cents 90 times, it's like a dollar 80 a day could yeah. completely change your sales outlook. Yep. The dollar 80 um, strategy. I love yeah, it. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, it's, it's honestly, if you, my recommendation to anybody either looking for a BDR role or they're in a BDR role, love what you do, love the people you work with, wants to benefit the people you work with, right? You're the sales org, you're paying the salaries of those other individuals in the other departments. So understand that like, Hey, this is dependent on, on you. And even if you're not getting the recognition from the company that you want and, and things like that, you are technically helping pay people's salaries. Right. So <laughs> understand that and start caring about your coworkers more and like treat it like a family. And I think it's really easy to get invested and involved like this and, and go after it. Yeah. I, I love that you bring up that, that part about whether or not, you're viewed as an important, you know, role because, you know, the thing that you always hear is, is BDRs are kind of, bottom of the barrel, the bottom of the barrel of the, yeah. the also rands of the company. Uh, but you know, the truth, you know what you're doing every day, right. And you know, the value that you're providing. And uh, I think, uh, you know, especially if you have teammates that, that are there doing it with you, yeah, I mean, that's an opportunity for, for, you, for that, you and your teammates to really kind of bond together and come together and say, we are on the front lines and at the front end of this sales cycle, you know, letting everybody know about what we're doing here. Uh, Sean Cease from the Sales Developers 
you know, his he's so wild. He's um, on it. He's so on it because, and yeah. I love the way he views it. It is an honor to be at the front of the sales cycle, to lead the charge, to get the bloody, I'm the bloodiest person in the battle. Yeah. You know, it's so an bad. honor. Yeah. And, yeah. and that mindset really, if you're thinking like that, screw what everybody else in the company thinks. It's an honor for me to be doing this. And I know the value that I'm bringing, you know, not only to these prospects, but to my coworkers and to the company as a whole. And, and again, it goes back to that. Most people are going to wait for that other shoe to drop when all that cash starts coming in and then be like, Oh, geez, these guys are pretty great. You know, like, and, and, you know, the, the folks in the, in the operations department that, that might not have, you know, interacted with a single BDR have to start recognizing that, that, these these folks are the ones that are opening these doors in an incredibly noisy marketplace and yeah. i love i love your that recommendation of that mindset i i think that's just so key because it's that's what it's all about man that's the yeah. only way you're going to survive this gig for sure. I used to, um, on any day I, I would get nervous. I would put on Tony Robbins for like 10 minutes on YouTube and just listen to him talk and tell me how awesome I am. Yeah. And like, <laughs> that's Thank what you, you Tony. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, even if it means you looking in the mirror and telling yourself how awesome you are, which is super influential, super important. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like mindset is key. And I, I've seen some of my coworkers struggle with it where they get into these funks and, and they, I don't know if that they're aware that they're in a funk, but I try, like, I do my best, like, hey, man, keep kicking ass. And even the other day, one of my coworkers was like, yeah, I'm not really kicking ass. And I didn't want to say anything after that, but, like, all I know is that's a trigger to say, all right, keep keep encouraging him, keep influencing him, because he's not in the right mindset. So um, It happens. It happens yeah. to everybody. Uh, it happens to me. It ha- You know, I'm sh- everybody deals with that, but it's like, how quickly can you get back to center? Mm -hmm. You know, we're all going to get thrown off and we're all going to feel like, "Mm, you know, God, what am I, and what am I doing here? Like so pointless, you know, and it's kind of a thing, like, especially with the social selling and kind of those like more long game type things where you're kind of planting seeds and you're not seeing like immediate results. Mm -hmm. That's where it can get tough. And then mix that with a long sales cycle because I'm in the same boat as you are, you know, our sales cycles here at Cognetic are six, eight, nine, sometimes 12 months. That's a long time to, to have to manage your emotions and kind of stay resilient because, you know, you're the one opening all these doors and finding these opportunities and, yeah. and you're not getting that, those wins in between, you know, it's yeah. like a bunch of the hard, just all of the hard work and planting all of the seeds and then kind of just <laughs> having to continue to do that. and and. Yeah wait for this celebration. Um, And so as you have gone through and kind of figured these things out, what do you see, like, what are you most excited about going forward at launch darkly? Cause you know, you got, it's, you just raised 44 mil, you know, there's lots of exciting things going on. Uh, Talk to us about what you're doing now and what you're excited about there, man. Um, so I, the product is only getting better. It's a very exciting product for engineers. Um, I think what I am most excited about is 
the the size of our team in the next six months and and how much that's going to increase and and i'm sure there's going to be struggles obviously everybody's territory is going to get diluted and things like that so and what that is going to happen is it's, it's going to make us more focused and more targeted and more accurate and more effective and i i, I really look forward to you know six months from now and like hearing the engine purr mm. of that machine and like <laughs> like seeing all the meetings coming in and like because our goals are pretty high i mean right you, last year was awesome and that's how we were able to raise all the money we did this year and so like this year's goals are like 1.5x of last year's goals yeah man and so it's like no easy feat yeah we've got some work to do and it um i think that it it's going to happen um i i love these new tools like especially if you get a tool from a young company and they're they're growing and it's, it's like apollo it, it it's they're constantly iterating on it and like every month there's a new drop of, of new features and it's like it's exciting right it's like um playing a video game and you've got like all these upgrades that came in and this new expansion pack like yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like uh the Fortnite update from for um and so yeah it's uh I, i'm really excited about that i'm really excited about the team uh subscribing to the tools that i'm excited about uh, yeah. I, I think that's happening and, it, and people are are starting to recognize that they're working um i'm excited about the cold calling i'm excited about a couple new hires we've got in the pipeline um it's it's gonna be a good year um I'm, i had one of those mornings this morning i want i wanted to mention i i got on the bike i have a motorcycle i just bought a harley like a week ago well, i just started driving a harley week ago. i bought it two months ago i had to get fixed up um nice driving the bike into work today and i'm like in one of those moods i i've had a guy sent a meeting request to me from an email this morning so, yeah and then as i get on the street that goes straight into oakland um it's like a, a mile and a half that i ride on this one street and it's straight and every light was green <sighs> and i was just flowing on my motorcycle like this is the best day of my life <laughs> and so like i really feel when you're passionate about something when you love what you do when you love yourself and you go at life with this with this frothing uh you know rabid passion <laughs> you every day is the best day of your life sure you have some funky days like you said sure you're down yeah. some days yeah but you can always remind yourself of what it feels like to be great and and mm. immediately kind of like get back on the road and say oh man i just want to win another championship today yeah um i'm sure tom brady knows exactly what that feels like I'm um, sure. <laughs> yeah, that right? guy's like, a beast. Well, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it's uh, like a it's, winner's mindset, like a champion, a champion's mindset. And the best part about it is that it's really just a decision that you have to make for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you mentioned earlier, like people with imposter syndrome. Oh well, I'm no. not this. I'm not there yet. No, what you don't realize is nobody is. <laughs> it was just that they made a decision to be. <laughs> I mean, if one of the things that I learned have learned from being active on LinkedIn is that when I've met these people that I 
had on a pedestal and thought, God, you know, these are guys, they just have it all figured out. I need to talk with them to learn because they're where I want to be. You meet these people and they're incredibly impressive individuals. And they're at this point in their life where, you know, they're admired by others. But then you, when you talk to them and you hear their story, you're like, this is like the same story as mine. And, and yeah. they're humans and they've totally messed up and they've got struggles. And it's just like, you realize like, okay, well, it was, they just had to make a decision and they had to make a decision to, first of all, like love themselves, like you said, and come at life with that mentality of, of um, more than enough. Like Dave Meltzer is somebody who I've been watching a lot of his content recently. He's uh, actually out there in like San Diego. And, you know, he's a guy who was a multimillionaire, went bankrupt, became a multimillionaire again. And so he's been through the ringer. And he said, the biggest thing that I've learned through all of my ups and downs is that you have to operate with a mindset of more than enough. I have more than enough. I'm more than enough. So you don't start thinking like, oh, well, that person over there is taking something that could have been mine. No, there's more than enough yeah. for him to have yeah. it and me to have it. Yeah. I've gotten like four or five opportunities for other BDRs in their territories just because I saw it as something that I could definitely close and I handed it off to them. There's a contract right now. I, I met somebody at a conference in November, sent them a follow-up email, sent them a holiday after the holiday follow-up email. She finally got back to me in February, uh, set up a meeting with her two engineers, and now it's already in evaluation stage contracts like 75K. Love like, it. You just have to, you have to understand that, look, sending that, if you go, I'm going to send somebody an email today. Ah, maybe not. I might be annoying. If you, if you said, I'm going to send somebody an email today, do it, right? Like if yeah. in your head, you thought I'm going to do this action and then you, and then you, you convince yourself out of it, then you did the wrong thing. <laughs> Anytime you convince yourself out of doing anything, you've done the wrong thing. Yeah. Unless it's dangerous or, or law breaking or inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's keep it within the realm of, of uh, things that we know are, are you know, not going to hurt anybody else or anything like that. But uh, I was talking to somebody the other day and uh, they mentioned the three second rule. So if you think about making a cold call, you have to do it within three seconds because after three seconds, your brain is going to start coming up with excuses not to do it. Mm -hmm. or you want to send an email to somebody, you have to do it within three seconds because if you wait any longer than that, your brain's going to tell you not to do it. And so I think that's, it's, it's like you have to take action, but again, it's like that balance. You have to be taking action, learning the tools that you have at your disposal, using them in a, you know, intelligent and smart way that helps you do your job better. And, and, you know, all of that goes towards successful BDRing and being happy and, and enjoying all of those things that come along with kind of really putting your all in um, to, 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 to what you're doing. And I love that you've, you've shared this message. So, you know, as we get to the end of the podcast here, how, how can people get in touch with you to learn more about what you're doing over at Launch Darkly? Go for it. Sure. Um, on LinkedIn, feel free to connect with me. I accept almost everybody. Um, the, almost. My, my almost. <laughs> hey, some people don't accept me. I got to have a filter, right? Yeah, <laughs> I get it. I'm the same way. <laughs> um, also, my email is just uh, Micah, M-I-C 
A-H, at Launch Darkly. Um, if you are in the Bay Area or willing to move to the Bay Area and interested in many different jobs across the board, not just BDR, if you're listening to this and you're not a BDR, um, we have a careers page on our website if you want to check that out. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to start posting stuff just like uh, this Lunch Break podcast. Uh, it's, uh, it's exciting stuff. I think we had some amazing value shared today. I think there were some really good things talked about. Um, so yeah, it's, it, the more people can, two minds can get together and uh, bounce ideas, that yes. it, it creates very, very productive uh, fruit. So yeah, no, and it's so funny you mentioned that, Micah, because every time I do a podcast, especially if it's with somebody that I've like not already had a relationship with, like the first few episodes were people that I had known and had conversations with. These are my favorite because we had never spoken person to person before this. No. And we kind of exchanged some messages back and forth, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But, ah, I mean, that's just such a, this is, it proves to me over and over again, the value of, connecting with people and and being genuine about wanting to provide value to a community that uh, deserves it because salespeople, it's an honorable uh, profession. You know, we're out the the ones that are doing it the right way are, are passionate, empathetic, conduct themselves with integrity. I mean, we're, this community needs as much uh, positivity and, and, and valuable content as possible. So I can't wait to see more of what you've got up your sleeve, Micah. I'm excited. And one thing I wanted to address, uh, you, you mentioned this a few times in your podcast, the uh, Zig Ziglar, um, by helping others do what they're doing is always going to help you kind of thing. Uh, I don't know what's the yep. quote. So yeah, I think he goes, uh, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll end up getting what you want. It's, it's the key to life. Yes. It is, it is the key to life. Just if you see people in need, fulfill that need. If you have the ability to, if with your privilege and your, in your prosperity in the moment and your needs will always be fulfilled. I love it, man. I love it. And so have to ask you the same question that I ask everybody that comes on the lunch break podcast, Micah, what is your favorite place to eat lunch at? Oh, so we have this spot down the street from our house in Oakland called Belly. I think it's named after pork belly, <laughs> but uh, I specifically get this Korean fried chicken bibimbap bowl, Ooh. and it's it's delicious. Yeah, it's, nice. it's got some uh, kind of like kimchi spicy sauce on the chicken, and um, it's delicious. They also have some uh, some nachos that are like bulgogi beef nachos Ooh, but nice. they use french fries instead of chips so it's like this uh, poutine kind of thing um yeah belly is a good spot in oakland if you're ever in town sounds amazing man my little boy is a golden state warriors fan and so uh -oh. if we ever come out there to to watch a game i'm gonna drag him over there because i need some of that kimchi in my life <laughs> awesome <laughs> well micah thanks so much for joining me on episode 20 of the lunch break podcast was truly an honor to to speak with you and connect with you man thanks so much have a great day all right man and with that i'll wrap up this episode of the lunch break podcast speak to you guys soon